I don't think so. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Those, those are all old. answers that are no. Every one of those means no. Or, or Peach or somebody. I don't know. I mean, we could talk about the possibilities of another war in the Mideast, but I don't know. Yeah. What do you think, Rudy? You know what I would like to talk about, if it's, if it's all right with you, um, there's this uh, thing on, um, on um, the Internet of how um, independent people raise money. And you just put your project on. It, it's called Kickstart. And then people send you money. And I know just that, like magic, that right? Steve has said, what? I'm just it's joking. It's fantastic. Just like I, magic, um, right? What? You just put your project up on Kickstarter and people send you money. Steve said that he heard that, that one movie got, what was it, $80,000 sent to them? Oh, there's been multiple million dollar um, um, dollars raised for movies on Kickstarter. There's about two or three times uh, um, budgets of close to $10 million have been raised on Kickstarter. But that's from famous people. That's yeah. Now, um, let's, let's say just a, a, a person goes on Kickstarter, right, and, yeah. um, and says, um, I want to raise $5,000 for X, Y, and Z. Yes. Is, is there any criteria for giving it back, I mean, or, um, or something like that? I mean, doesn't, like, doesn't, uh, kick, doesn't Kickstarter say if you don't collect all the money, we keep it? No, no, no. Yeah. Kickstarter says if you don't if you don't make your budget in the time right. that you proposed it, nobody right. has to pay anything. Oh. Oh, that's a lot better. <laughs> so oh, it, I see. Because know, I know that, that you, uh, Ju Julie Dermansky went on it, right? Well, she and used she a different asked service. For she didn't use Kickstarter eventually. She Ultimately, she did uh, Dropkick, or what was it called? Indiegogo, isn't it? Indiegogo, yeah. yeah. Indiegogo, right. And um, uh, she asked, I think, for a couple of thousand dollars. She got $500 to make it. She needed to make a trip from New Orleans to Texas. And yeah. she figured it would cost, you know, what with the gas and this and that and staying over for a couple of weeks to photographing, doing interviews, it cost a couple of thousand dollars. And she actually raised $500. And she said, that's better than nothing, right? You right. know, um, She um, used that service because of the fact that on Indiegogo, um, whatever money you people have pledged, they have to pay, and you actually get it, even if you don't reach your budget. Um, I like that better because you know, I don't. because if you're asking for a couple of thousand dollars and and, and you pledge fifteen hundred and that's all you get, um, then you don't get anything from Kickstarter. But this other thing, presumably, you you do get the fifteen hundred. 
the, even though it wasn't the amount you asked for. I like Kickstarter's model better myself personally. I think oh. it's better for investors because if when if you invest in a project, you want to see the project done, and so you you go ahead and you pledge your investment. But if nobody else does, or not enough people do, and there's not enough budget to do the project, then you don't have to you don't have to pay your, the money that you pledged. I like that better because the investors are guaranteed that they're only going to be investing in projects that have a chance of working. Well, I, I guess I, I won't do it because, I, you know, I'm doing a, a project with circles now. And, I, and I'm saying, you know, you have to be out of your mind to invest in uh, um, me doing photographic <clears throat> circles wherever I find them. Yeah. So that's not a good idea um, um, for me because you can't call that an investment. Here's a photographer going around and photographing everything that he finds that's a circle. What's he going to do with it? Who's going to care? There's no money. To, you can't call that an investment. Well, well, well. Now, now rethink that a bit because, I mean, the it's it's how we think of investments, and we've just had sort of a disgusting discussion in in Vancouver about public art in new train um, sky train stations. Sky trains are like subways or the L in Chicago and um, um, the, the Transit Commission set aside a small percentage for, for public art and the Canadian Taxpayers Association was outraged um, that, that, that any of the precious tax money for transit should go to public art. But I think the discussion has had, um, I heard some people and I would have added my voices to those who would say there's money investment and there's cultural investment. So if you, for instance, so if you, if some guy, perhaps from the Infinity Institute or something, invested in your circle project, then they could say, um, you know, you could say this when you have an exhibit online or wherever, that this has, was sponsored by the Infinity Institute or something. And, and that, that's a cultural investment for them. They're not going to make money back. But they, it's just like all um, art that's sponsored, you know, you know, people that used to, the rich people who used to support the composers and the, what were they called, patrons of the art. So it would be that kind of investment if you think of it that way. Also on Kickstarter, people um, usually give, um, give gifts to those who in pledge an investment. And so, like, if uh, Alan's Circle Project, if someone was investing in completing that, they, Alan, you would be telling them that for a fifty-dollar investment, you would get a print, for instance. You know. Good idea. That's uh, yeah. usually all the Kickstarter projects I've seen have um, quite a bit of. Uh, I forget what they call it. It's not rewards or gifts, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, incentives. Incentive. Ins yeah, incentive. I suppose that's good. Yeah, they all have an incentive, and you pick your level, like, you know, $10, you get a poster or something, $25, you get a signed and numbered uh, print, or I don't know. Anyway, you get something <clears throat> immediately for your money, as well as contributing to the budget for the project and, and being able to be a part of making the project happen. So there's the there's two kinds of... Two kinds of rewards for, 
for contributing to a Kickstarter project. So anybody that designs a Kickstarter project should keep that in mind and have good rewards, uh, good incentives for people. So it's not an investment. If I put $100 uh, into uh, the Mary Burns Infinity project, uh, I would not give me one uh, yeah, a percentage of her profit or ownership of her thing. It would just give me, um, oh, I'd feel so good about it, Mary. I would. Yep. Uh -huh. so right now, you got somebody we could send it to? Or? <laughs> no, I, so, so it isn't the same as venture capital, where no. uh, even if it's a micro venture, um, there is a stake in the outcome. Right, there's not. In this case, there's only a stake in the start. Yeah, you may get uh, some incentive, um, like uh, if it's a film, you, you might get invited to the premiere. You you know, you might be able to go to a cocktail party and meet everybody involved in the movie, uh, wow. or you get stuff like that. Yeah. You, you become um, known as the supporter, the contributor to the project. Yeah, I have That's true. We could put the Infinity Project on the, on the map. <laughs> Get a map, will you? I, I, I have my, a map. My map doesn't go to infinity. <laughs> That's what I was well, wondering. This would be one of those inserts. <laughs> so I don't Who have very so much experience with um, Kickstarter, but what I do know, what I seem to have observed, is that it takes making a really good video of, you know, of what your project is. It, I, I agree that they all have that in common, everyone I've seen. And I have... Kickstarter, I I, um, I liked in Facebook, uh -huh. so I see them, and I also get emails. Mm -hmm. They all have good good videos. I contributed to one uh, that was about uh, jazz photography, some book somebody made. And I contributed, and I was I'm supposed to be eligible to get some kind of photo, but I didn't really want it, so I didn't. Yeah. I didn't go. <laughs> I just I just contributed uh, twenty bucks or something anyway. Hmm. But um, I had a yeah I had an idea for painters uh, I had an idea you know this idea when first when uh, Kickstarter had first begun and it was when I was still in New York and I haven't carried out the idea let me describe it to you and see if you think this is a good idea for, um, for me as a painter if I want uh, I want money to uh, stretch and frame and uh, prepare for shipping a my um, finished painting because I paint on unstretched uh, canvas so it needs about a couple hundred dollars worth of stretching framing maybe five hundred dollars altogether if you're talking about building a box for it to be shipped in so um, I want to raise that um, because I don't have any money uh, so I thought um, what you know? I want my painting to survive, so uh, it won't survive if it's not stretched and framed and boxed and all that. Right. So I say, um, I would say to Kickstarter, uh, um, if you contribute uh, whatever, ten bucks or something, you get a uh, you get a print uh, like a poster print of my my painting. And if I meet the budget, um, geez, I'm, I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I raise the money, um, 
then I get my painting uh, all fixed up and ready to ship someplace. And so I pick from, I pick at random one of the contributors and I give them the painting. I send it to them. Ah, so you, like you were driving. I wanted to know, were you selling the painting or what? I like it. It's like I a like lottery. It. You know, the money I raise pays my wow. fee. You know, I have, you know, my say my fee is $2,000 to paint the painting. So two thousand. Well, how do I know there isn't some kind of cronyism involved? I'm, for example, <laughs> I know he's not on the phone right now, so I, I know that you speak you speak very highly of Emery, whether he's here or not. <laughs> Myself, I don't know. So, I mean, what's to say you wouldn't just give it to Emery instead of me? <laughs> yeah, right. How how would not we do it? Worry randomly? about that, but it is a question that someone else might worry about. Well, I would have uh, Mary Burns pick the name. Oh, oh, What do you think about that, Alan? Well, um, uh, Steve, the question I would worry about is that um, um, you haven't yet mentioned you have a show um, lined up, signed, sealed, and delivered, but you don't have the 500 bucks to get your stuff ready. What if you didn't have a show um, all lined up? Um, then what would you do? You got the 500 bucks, you spent all the money, and then you find that the show you were trying to get is it's no longer available. The time slots got something goes wrong. My idea is a little uh, so more complicated, Alan. My my idea is a little more unusual. It's it's not about having a show. I'm not even talking about doing a show at all. I'm talking about fixing up one painting to be, you know, like in archival, make one painting um, preserved in an archival way. And then that one painting goes to uh, somebody print, uh, picked at random from the contributors that gave me the budget to make that painting. And so now you have a mm. place for it to be. Yeah, so the painting goes someplace. My long, you know, I don't know if it's a good idea, and I haven't done this. I've thought about it for three, four years now, so, you know, probably I won't do it, but. And I'm just wondering if it's a good idea that the the follow through with this is that let let's say I did I did this you know for a year and I um, out of every painting I made and let's say everything was successful and I got like 20 paintings were completed archived and um, sent to sent to different people so I have 20 collectors that, with new uh, paintings from me. Then, if I ever get a show, let's say the following year I get a show of the paintings that I haven't uh, shipped to people, at that show I would like to um, have a section of the show where people who wanted to resell the painting that they got from me uh, through this lottery, if they want to hmm. resell it, they uh, put it in this gallery and, and we resell it then. And in other words, I start a secondary market myself hmm. with my nice. show. That's well thought out. Yeah, it is a good idea. Yeah, it is, and yeah, yeah. Perhaps yeah. the gallery owner may say, "Well, he's already has collectors." Yeah, no. So that's that's an argument. Uh, and, uh, and there's collectors there. It gives you some, it gives them some a little bit more confidence that there be money in for them. You know. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be real interesting, but. Um, it's, like I said, I don't know if I'm going to do it. Well, if you didn't need a video, go ahead. You might want to use uh, 
whatever it is, the, uh, the Go Go Kick and Gob, what was it? It was uh, Indiegogo? Indiegogo. What you want to do is start an Indiegogo to, to raise the money to do a nice video. And once you have the good video, you can use that video over and over and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I like it. But, I mean, I think this would be a good project for you, David, because um, he, he, he's got a million projects going all the time, as you're probably getting the idea. He's got CDs he's working on. He's got stage shows. And, um, and I don't know if you have, I don't think you have a video. You have clips from things. But um, I don't know why you wouldn't try that. Any any so artist who's solely right. self-supporting, and I don't know your position, Alan, but David depends solely on his income as an artist. I I am lucky to have a small teacher's pension, small because I didn't teach for most of my life, but I did for long enough to get a pension. So, what do you think, Dave? You, well, you you're, you're right, and, I, and I've thought about it at length, but but. My priorities keep shifting. I, I keep. I, I've got so many ways, different ways to go, and I have to make a decision about what is the best uh, um, thing to pursue. Um, uh, what has the best possibilities? Uh, and I've already looked into Kickstarter, and and again, but it, it's just. <laughs> I I almost have a have, have to have a consultation. Uh, 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 in order to decide, decide what project I, I want to run with. Yeah. Mm. Consultation with who, do you think? Uh. <laughs> what, what sort of expertise are you looking for? Um. <laughs> Just infinite wisdom. <laughs> no, okay, that's easy. Oh, just that, just that. Well, let's see. You could go to the Infinite Wisdom Store. No, but I, I um, Oracle.com. But I mean, I, I kind of think I know what he means in that, like, does something have the possibility of becoming, you know, produced or popular or taken up? But in the case of some individual funding through Kickstarter or India, India Go Go, is that what it is? India um, Go Go. Indiegogo. <laughs> Flash from fast. That's primarily made for journalists, like like Julie. Oh. Julie Dermansky was the perfect person for for oh. Indiegogo. But it's about funding a, a, a investigative report. Oh, okay. But I mean, it seems to me if you're putting your soul out there and saying, you know, like this is this is me as an artist or musician or painter, you know, whatever, then it has to be something not so much that has uh, financial potential, then we're going back to how Alan started, but something that you really want to do that you think is worthwhile for its own sake. That's what I, that's, that's my that's portion of infinite wisdom today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's what we all do, right? I mean, well, one thing too, uh, this summer has been, you know, I've certainly had a good summer, but you, it, it's just becoming more and more impossible to, to get anything done in the summer because everybody's either away or, or, or they're just not focused on anything but, you know, summer activities, uh, especially in Vancouver. I don't know. It's, it's just been frustrating. So I sort of gave up. I said, I'll wait till Labor Day and the day after Labor Day, I can put myself out there again. Uh, come out of hibernation. This is a kind of summer hibernation that happens. 
and there's absolutely zero going on. Nothing, nothing gets generated in the summer. That's what I'm saying. Well, that um, so anyway, uh, wait for big news next week. <laughs> I'll have made a decision by, by right. next week because I'll have consulted some of the you know some of the pros out there and some of the uh, you know the helpers. By the way, that reminds me. Um, let me introduce this as uh, Art Chat uh, Podcast number 98. <laughs> yeah. 98. Oh, boy. And um, it's September 2nd, 2013. Um, I don't know if this is a good time to say, but here we go. Um, I want to say that uh, whatever the plans may be or whatever the reality may be for episode 100, which is in two weeks, um, that I want that to be the last of the Art Chat podcast that I own, that I operate. I would like mm. one of you to take it over. Anybody willing? I, I want to pass it on to one, one of us, and if... Uh, if nobody can take it, you know, redesign it and own it themselves and do it. And uh, uh, if nobody can, then I want to end it at 100, and, and that'll be the, the piece. Our chat podcast has 100 episodes. It's all in archive.org and on Blogger, and that's it. It's a finished mm, piece. Wow. What and number is this? This is 98. Well, that's squeezing a decision into a short period of time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to have known around 48 or 49. I oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> well, since I came to this, I mean, this is kind of a personal necessity of me to, to, to downgrade my involvement in this. Um, and, and I made this a couple of weeks ago. And since then, I have had the hardest time trying to do anything about this podcast. So it just took all the air out of uh, out of my oh, interest. Yeah. It's it's like it's like giving your notice at work and then trying yeah, to work for a couple of weeks. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, Steve, this is your creation. I I would um, I can't take it on because I don't have the technical equipment or expertise and I'm moving around a lot but if someone else were to take it on and I could assist in some way I'd be willing to do that and as I said to Steve um, I think part of the workload has been in transcribing the conversations and even though it's fun it's a lot of work and I'm not sure that we need that although it's nice to have the, the references the images and the references that come up that makes that transcription, um, whatever you call that, that you put up on the website, really attractive. So maybe we don't need all the text around it. Yeah, yeah. well the text, we need some text to know what, um, so that uh, search engines can find what the content is, because search engines can't search audio or video. Right. But, so that's the reason for some text summary. How much time a week have you been spending on it, if you, you know, average? It's about two working days. That's a lot of time. Yeah. A lot of time. But I would hope if someone would uh, take it over, I would hope that they would redesign it to fit their schedule. It needs redesigning. It needs to be upgraded or updated. But I, it should be um, 
redesigned by the person who will carry it. Right. And, uh, you know, just transfer all the assets to that person. And our chat podcast could continue to live. And, and maybe that person could take it for another 100 episodes. <laughs> Big commitment. Big commitment there. Uh, does anybody listen? I, uh, Steve and Ruth, I know you listen to other podcasts, right? Yeah, yeah. Does anybody else listen to other podcasts? No, I always mean to, but I never do. Right. I, I listen to a couple, a, a couple of uh, sources. You know, podcast is my soul. Some of them are every day. Soul uh, information. So, how, hey, Steve and Ruth, how long are the ones that you listen to? Podcasts? Yeah. Oh well, they're they vary. They're I think the average is an hour. Yeah, I've listened to some like health related ones that are like maybe fifteen minutes. Those would be the shorties. Other mm -hmm. ones I listen to, um, an hour is, you know, pretty, pretty regular. Hmm. Just I ask, because, you know, rebranding it or, uh -huh. I'm sorry, Alan. I, excuse me, if someone took this over, they would need technical expertise, some technical expertise, and, and I don't much. have any uh, technical expertise, and it would be hard for me to do it. Um, or you would need to live with someone that had time put in. But I mean, I I press buttons here like a monkey. I I really don't know what I'm doing half the time on the computer when I'm trying to do something new on the computer. So it would be very hard for me um, to um, um, take something over which required technical expertise. And that, that's, that, well, that would be my trepidation. It's all yeah. consumer-oriented stuff. Uh, nobody yeah. should think that the, you have to be an engineer to do this. It's, everything is, everything is if you, consumer. If you could get a hold of a zookeeper, or maybe you live with one, or uh, you have a, a relationship with someone that is able to push the buttons. Control. I'm being a little silly, but you know, my wife uh, does a lot of photography stuff, so I have her help me with them. Um, with images sometimes because she's better at it. So Patty and, could uh, push buttons. I support Patty in in um, in what she does, and she supports me in what I do. And um, so I just mm -hmm. throw it out there that we end up at some point having supporters and helpers. David, you called them helpers. Mm. I, yeah. And so well, we have helpers. In the case of David and I, it would be the blind leading the blind, I'm afraid. So there's, right. there's no possibility there. <laughs> but um, the, the um, yeah, and, and the other thing is, in my case, and I know in Emery's case, we've both been totally reliant on Steve. So that's what I'm saying is I would be happy, for instance, to do a, do a paragraph that summarizes the chat saying these are the people who participated these are what we these are the things we talked about and then invite people to listen if somebody could do the calling and then keep up the um you know the references uh putting the references online or something so it might be a teamwork thing and i'd be i'd be happy to do the weekly paragraph um but um Maybe that's something to think about for next week. And have, but I just wanted to bring up, um, since we have time to discuss it, as uh, what we should do for the hundredth broadcast. Because that's pretty, that's pretty something. And I suggested to you, Steve, um, 
um, a, a while back that maybe everyone should just take 10 minutes for themselves and present something, read something, play something, talk about, like, Alan, your circle project, like some of the things you've seen. And if we had everybody, that would go longer than an hour, but that would be okay for, for um, our hundred Yes, but it's and it wouldn't take any coordination really because we would all just be doing our ten minutes. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. I I thought you know I proposed a while back that we do twenty four hours and that was only to um, give everybody enough time. Well, it was two reasons. One to give everybody enough time to say whatever they wanted and go on at length, so that everything is said. The other is to connect with two people that uh, have, or in one is in different time zone and another is on a different personal time. Um, we have a, I have an old uh, artist, a photographer friend that lives in Tokyo. And oh. I always wanted to have him on this, but the time difference has made it so it's impossible. He's a teacher and he, he just is not around at the time that we're on the air here, so I wanted to have him pick a time zone or you know pick an hour, and I'll be open for it. You know, <laughs> so I'm thinking. Um, and then the the other one is a, a writer friend of of um, a few of us, Anita Sinclair, who's uh, only operates in the middle of the night, <laughs> and she's in the Pacific time zone, so she's uh, on our time, but she's is you can't get her in the morning. <laughs> so I wanted to be around in the evening for her to get get her in on this before uh, you know, as a celebration. The people who should have been in the conversation the whole whole time, but because of uh, uh, because of whatever reasons, uh, couldn't be. And there's a few other people that I would like to call. Um, um, Friends of mine that have been connected with my involvement in this podcast uh, who haven't been on the podcast, I'd like to be able to call them on the last episode. Well, I mean, Steve, that sounds like if, if you could, that's certainly doable if you just wrote a, a program, you know, and you made you got a hold of those people, made sure you had them, and tell them what time you're going to call, and, you know, and if it turned out to be more than an hour and and somebody couldn't stay, well, we'll say bye to them on the air and things of that nature. Right. But uh, if it goes in uh, two hours or three hours or something, that's okay too. But right. it, 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 it would really, it would really be helpful if you, if you sliced it up yeah. this way. And then you said, how much time? And how much time? And, and I, know I, can, I know this person can do it and this person and then us. And I think that that's... It sounds like we're ready to, to do our part, you know, to talk about art, what we're up to, or present something. Uh huh. Um, I'm a little distracted. Yeah, yeah. Emery's calling in. Emery oh. called in, and I'm calling back to him. We'll see if we get him. Yeah, so. Uh, you want to correspond that? more on emails between now and, you know, and whatever? I, I'm certainly being to, to help uh, him put Emery. that together, you know. I'm just wondering, technically speaking, like, would you, if you were talking to um, Phil at three in the morning our time, Shit. would you just like? I'm gonna have to hey, recordings. I gotta go. Oh. Hi, good to see you. Yeah. Hey. <laughs>
Okay, I thought it could operate this way. Like like Jimmy is saying, we make some plans uh -huh. with people and we know what time they want to talk uh -huh. yeah. and we open up for them. Okay. And I would just alert everybody that, hey, we're going to be on, you know, say Pacific time at 10 p.m. Trying to cut this. Gotcha. And that we would record it. Uh, I would I would want to record it one hour at a time, like a say uh -huh. a ten hour. I mean a ten minute break between hours. Right. And make a new recording. So it'd be like a new call each hour. Would be a new call, and whoever wanted to be called could be. And if nobody's there, then there isn't anything. <laughs> Tell your story. Okay. <laughs> Get it. Okay. That sounds good. So, I don't know, uh, we uh, want to probably want to talk about something now for the next half hour that's not about the podcast, but about uh, art, something else, right? We could uh, just listen in on Emery's phone call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. did, did Emery mute it? <laughs> he must have. Well, Oh, well, how is that circle project going, Alan? Um, yeah. I think the images oh. I've seen have been been great, but um, is this going to be an endless circle project? You're just going to keep doing it? Well, uh, um, th there are uh, um, a lot of circles out there, and <laughs> the more you look, um, the more circles you see, and um, um, so there's a endless variety. They're like um, human faces, which are ovals. Um, there's just an endless variety of circles. And if you, if you also throw in spheres, which if you photograph them two-dimensional, you know, with a, with a camera, they become circles. Of course, they're spheres to begin with, but taken from one angle, they become circles. So you've got circles and spheres and circles within circles. And uh, so I expect that uh, there would be uh, no end to circles out there. And then you could also uh, modify a project like that and bring um, um, some of the smaller circles you find. Of course, all, they would have to be worthless objects or be stealing. I mean, you can't go and uh, a, a tire on the back of a car is a circle, but you can't steal it and, and then bring it into your studio. Uh, you know, like Irving Penn did um, years ago, many, many years ago, he did um, street objects. And what he did is he uh, went out and he found sort of garbage like cigarette butts and things like that and brought them into his studio and he made beautiful platinum prints um, of them. And um, they've been on exhibit here and there um, um, time and time again, extremely beautiful things. And uh, on the Circle Project, um, you could go over to that um, right now, I'm photographing them in color and where where they are in their own environment, maybe move them around a little bit and pull them out of the garbage or wherever they are, uh, and, um, and let it go at that, but it could, could go over into bringing them into the studio 
and doing them with studio lighting and make them more um, like um, um, objects of art, you know, something really valuable. But on the other hand, then you'd lose the kind of um, um, real world realism of them. I mean, here's stuff out there and you're just photographing it, you know, and the background might not be right, but anyway, you do it and the, the lighting might not be right, but it would never be, so you go ahead and do it. Um, and, and that gives all, all the photographs a gritty kind of um, reality, um, um, the different colors and things like that. One of the things about uh, Irving Penn's uh, project of, of street objects that he found in the street is, is that they were all unified by being brought into the studio, having a certain kind of beautiful soft light, and then photographing them with a large format camera, making these gorgeous um, platinum prints uh, out of them. But I don't want to go in that direction um, because, you, because uh, I could. But I think maybe you would lose that gritty um, street quality. You know, there it is. Uh, you know, it's right out there. All, all these goofy things. Um, but there are a million of them. So uh, I'm going to go on with it. And then maybe at one point I, I'll, I, I would um, um, stop and, and try to raise some money. And, and see, and the, the reason for raising the money is not that I needed it to collect all this trash and stuff that I'm photographing. And, you know, like, I mean, it's not trash, but it's just stuff out there. I mean, no, nobody would want it. You know, like there's a speaker on a wall, you know, and it blasts out something like, you know, come and get your ice cream cones, you know, 25% off. <laughs> And it's stuck on the wall of this ice cream parlor. Uh, nobody's going to take that away. I mean, you know, um, so th these things aren't valuable in themselves. But I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I was going to say next, see if I could raise some money for something that's, you know, that's not valuable. It's not socially useful. It's not even aesthetically useful. Maybe. It's Raise just for a bunch of circles, and oh, it doesn't that, have any metaphysical value, or oh, even. I I could go on and on. I'll stop. Yeah. No, I, but I think um, I I think that the conception already has value. I mean, people have to have ways of looking at the world, and. Um, and you've 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 applied your way of looking at the world in in um, in different through different themes. I think you're you're um, uh, I don't I don't know that much about your work, but the, I know about the graffiti project, for instance. Yeah. To me, that's socially valuable. I mean, who's yeah, exactly. there's there's these very small audiences for for certain things, and you could apply for money to um, maybe publish. Um, Publish a, a book of circle photographs. It, it's just a thing of beauty in itself. It's got to be aesthetically valuable, wouldn't you say? Steve, well, I think that, 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 that I've seen, I've gone to publishers with other uh, projects, and no, regardless of what the project was, the publisher always has said to me uh, the same thing, that the most expensive thing in, in, in the world to do is a very beautiful, a very good 
quality um, uh, book with visuals in it because that's the way publishing is and the, um, and, and the money you get back after the investment and it all has to be printed abroad now and uh, there's a lot of things that go into it um, publishers shy away unless those projects were funded for example if a museum comes out with a with a book um, that's a funded book any publisher would take it because you know the money is right there on the table uh, but if, if, if you go to a publisher asking them to put in their money, they always tell you that a, a book of photographs would be very expensive to do, to, to do it well, and there would be um, um, a, a very small niche market for it, unless you were a very famous photographer like, um, um, who is that? That we, Annie Leibovitz, we were just looking at. She's got four or five books out. Everybody loves her work, and a new book comes out, and they and and, and she's almost guaranteed to sell so many. But uh, and there are a lot of celebrity shots in her book too, which adds to the uh, people who would buy it. People who like to have photographs of um, well-known celebrities and things like that. Those, those books go. But I can't see something as abstract as, uh, as uh, you know, circles, um, you know, exciting same people that, uh, that Miley Cyrus last week got all excited by, uh, um, you know, dancing around on the stage like a lunatic, you know, with half your clothes off. Right? <laughs> Well, uh, you, know, you know what excitement. A that photography is. book that is not a part of popular culture uh, would best be done through blurb, right? Because um, have, have you noticed uh, the blurb photography books? They're they're quite beautiful, and they give you a preview on the on the web. You cost you no money to set it up. You use use your photographs from a Flickr set or whatever, and you uh, you you lay it out page by page the way you want it and you tell it um, that you're done and you're ready for it to be a book and so it and you they tell you how much it would cost to print it and of course a photo book is expensive it's going to be about 50 bucks for anything at all yeah. and then you uh, you tell blurb whether you want uh, a profit or not you know like if it costs 50 bucks for them to print it per copy then you if you want uh, to make 20 bucks on it, then you say the retail price is 70 bucks. And then you tell people your book is available at 70 bucks. So um, if people um, go to the page to, to, to find the book, they can, you can give them a thorough preview where they can see all or part of the book that you decide on the web. And so it's a really nice way to show your collection of photographs, Alan, um, and have it available as a book if it's worth 70 bucks to anybody, you know? So, like, well, no, well, no money ahead. Do you have to print more than one at a time? Because the publishers always say, well, 
no, you have no, to publish a whole bunch, and they have to be shipped, and then they have to be yeah. warehoused, and then they have to be distributed. All these things they tell you are um, expensive. Blurb and, is um, uh, blurb is print on demand, so nothing gets printed until someone right. buys one. I don't know. I mean, maybe what you need is to raise money to get um, some photography student who could learn heaps from you, but is more savvy with the internet to help you set that up. Because it's just time and yeah. expertise, right, Steve? So maybe the money is for a grant to um, help a f uh, to get. You must know some. Um, there's got to be a young person out there that would adore to have your your um, expertise and your insights after such a career as you have had. Well, maybe um, I, I I I do know that that young people have an affinity for. Um, um, all of this, and I, I think that might be a good idea because um, um, I like the idea that that it would be um, printing on demand because then there's not a big investment. I mean, someone says, "Hey, I want that book. Here's the seventy bucks," and then you print it and send it to them. It's right. just just like that. That's right. a good idea. Yeah, blurb. That's a very good idea. Blurb for photo books. I think hasn't Ju um, Julie made some blurb? Julie has done that, and yeah. and I have bought some of her books. There you go. I never asked her how many of them she has sold. She's done a, a whole different group of them, maybe five or six or seven, something yeah. like that. Printing on demand, um, uh, and uh, I I've never asked her. Um, uh, how many um, of, of any individual titles she, she has sold, so I just don't know. I'll have to ask her. Uh, the other uh, trepidation I have is that the, that the uh, quality uh, of, of, of the color of, of the printing is, is, is not as good as you get right over the Internet when you see one, see a picture, anybody's picture. Yeah, well, no uh, photo you know, looks better than the way it quality. looks on the web with backlight. Excuse me? Photos on the web with the backlighting look better than anything that's printed. Than anything, yeah. And you'd want to at least approach... Uh, um, I, I just saw another book the other day this, by Annie Leibovitz. The printing in it is just beautiful. Hmm. And, uh, not, you know, it's just gorgeous. And, well, um, Excuse me, on, on Blurb, uh, a friend of mine on Flickr um, made a book of abstract photographs and she allowed a full preview of it on the web. And what I found was that the preview on the web was plenty for me. I didn't need the book, but I really enjoyed seeing how she laid out her photographs and you could see them very well on the web. And so you are creating, creating a way for people to see your photographs in the layout that how you'd like them to be seen. Yes, so you, I think that's a, that that's very important. So whether um, anybody buys the book or not, it's still an object that has value because it's yeah. an object on the web that you can refer people to and they can enjoy. Well, this this would also qualify for people who um, who um, wrote wrote regular books. I mean, surely yeah. people who wrote novels. 
or um, um, uh, other kind of books, poetry, um, th they would want a, a beautiful physical object or a or very nice one. They wouldn't want a book that was crummy out there. I mean, physically crummy, not in terms of content. So we got ten minutes left. Wanna... Who's who's up next? <laughs> who takes the last ten minutes? <laughs> Steve, I'm going to say goodbye now till next week because I have an incoming call that's kind of important. So, goodbye, everyone. I'll see you next week from Quebec. Okay, Bye. Bye-bye, Mary. Happy travels. Right. Alan, please, you could introduce us Ruth. to <laughs> your friend in the background there. Um. <laughs> yeah, we want to know who your friend in the background is, Alan. I, I, yeah, I mean... I it's, a lovely, it's a lovely picture. The, you better the come to the you are. Hi. No, no, Hello. no, please. Yeah, please. Hi. Good to oh. see you. Uh, Who are you? Much better look at you, please. <laughs> I'm a longtime friend of Alan Ludwigs. I'm a fine art photographer. We met 23 years ago. Oh. And I've never seen a Skype ah. thing before. Just curious. I'm here visiting them in Maine. Can you say yeah. your name again, please? Jane Hines Bido. Jane Hines Bido. Jane Hines Bido. Okay, Jane. But <laughs> I, I've published two books, fine art stuff. My work is in museums. Um, right now, I have a young child, so I'm not working right now. It's a pivotal point for me. Yeah. But this has been interesting, so thank you. Mm. I don't even know where to look. I just kind of look at it. <laughs> Look at the camera. Whoever's talking, the I guess. I, I thought you couldn't see me. I, that yeah. shows you what I know. <laughs> no, it's actually quite a. You're wearing like a brown cut over. To, to to work when you have a child, because we know about that. Oh. They're always on top of you. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he's just saying, tell you how hard it is to work uh, when you have a child. You just yeah. can't do it, especially when you work with uh, chemicals. Many and of us are don't familiar. Want you don't want them exposed to it if you live and work in your same place. Uh, and then you don't want it on your body because you're so physical with a young child. You just don't want that transfer. It's something you, you're not aware of before, before you have this experience. But I don't want it in my hair. I don't want it, you know, it's just a whole different thing. That happened to Gwen and Alan. They had children and then they didn't want to do their complicated platinum printing. Yeah. Are you doing digital photography? Are you doing any photography currently? Just nothing fine art, nothing that will end up in a museum. Uh -huh. um, because my, my work that I did is uh, the tin types, the 19th century process. Yeah. Wow. So it's very physical and you're very involved with it. You, it occurs in the dark room. If you use a camera, you know, you make your own plates. You can print stuff in the darkroom too, but it's it's a very physical thing, and they end up being objects as much as they are yeah. photographs. Yeah. Um, I forgot what you asked. Oh, I was just <laughs> about wondering digital. If, yeah, if you were doing something. Yeah, digital. Well, yeah, I have a digital camera, mm -hmm. and I do take pictures daily, but it's mostly of you know, to document something or of my child. Yeah. Right. Just, Capture memory because you're so busy you don't even remember by the end of the day what what you've done. <laughs> and this is the first time I've been able to sit for 45 minutes and just kind of observe something. So, uh, wow. 
Oh, it was fun. Where's your child now? He, I don't get to read books. Uh, he's with Alan's child. <laughs> they were just watching washing a cat. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, that needs oversight. <laughs> yeah. Very well, cool. I remember doing it when I my kids were very small. Uh, uh, taking uh, doing a script meeting at the house and and changing diapers during this uh, <laughs> script session with the with the producers and and the story editor. Very yeah, good. A lot of people are able to continue their career. Uh, I just don't understand how. That's yeah. the I mean, I just yeah. don't understand. But, well. Uh, it is true that 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 when we had uh, children, we stopped this platinum uh, printing because um, um, you, when you're in the midst of it, you can, you can't stop. If you do stop, you have to start all the way at the beginning. So it's a continuous uh, process. So we just you can't said, do it nine to five. It's you a, can't. Yeah, it controls you sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we just gave that up when 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 the kids came. So um, um, uh, uh, that's the reality of it. If if you have uh, children, um, uh, it, it becomes making the making of 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 art becomes or photographs or whatever you're making, writing, you know, writing music it becomes really really hard. You have, you have to justify taking that time away from your child. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we're over here, we're very familiar. We Both Ruth and I separately were single parents. Oh, my gosh. We didn't get together until our, our children were adults. Uh, but, yeah, we went through that. But, you know, we had kids so young that we really didn't have a career. It, I was still in college when I had my son, and... Um, before I graduated, I was a single parent of uh, a two-year-old, mm -hmm. and so I never had a career. <laughs> <laughs> that's where mine went. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we know that's a real problem. I understand the thing about the chemistry and not not wanting to expose your children to toxic. Uh, oh, I recently had a biopsy on my finger. Because they thought, um, you can get finger cancer, by the way. What? Wow. You can get finger cancer. But Jesus. it was benign, but it was um, wow. something called Argiomy. Oh, I forgot the name of it. But it's, um, it's for improper exposure to silver. Wow. Yeah. So it's hmm. something physical. The chemicals. From the silver and, yeah. and yeah. the silver salts in your chemistry. Wow. So my physical thing being diagnosed, it's a small little things on my finger. I just want to know what's going on inside. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you kind of rethink, especially at an older age, you become much more aware of your health. I used to be diving in the chemicals and just liking it, actually, feeling like I was more one with the work I was doing. Right. Not thinking twice. Yeah. But now, yeah, I do think. Yeah. No mortality. Especially when you have I, a certainly, I certainly changed my lifestyle with having a, when I married Patty, she had Cameron, who, was, who uh, uh, was eight when we got married. So she was from a previous marriage. And I met him, however, three years before that. So I 
uh, had been seeing Patty for three years. So I knew him from five. And I would have to say, uh, after I started, uh, after I met Patty and my lifestyle changed over a period of time. So that by the time we, we uh, married in, uh, uh, I was definitely not a nighttime person. So the, the people I had spent time with, um, musicians and, and uh, people and stuff, I, I don't think when I, <laughs> some of them wouldn't have been welcome in my family home because they, I didn't want to expose, though in a way it's like chemicals, I didn't want to expose <laughs> my family to the toxic uh, nature of some of the people and uh, who, different values. And, um, but I, I, we definitely, we lived also, and we moved around and rented so that he could go to the best school that we could find, you know, public schools. And, uh, you know, it, it, I, it's neat hearing the parents talk about you only have this one chance to do each thing right, you know. You can't say later, golly, I wish, I wish we'd gone to a better school. It was a free one, right, you know, three blocks away, but I lived, just would have had to move, you know, or things like that. So we're very, Cameron's done very well, and he now is 32, and his wife is pregnant with their first child is due around February 7th in Las Vegas. Congratulations, Grandpa. Yes, yeah. actually. Yeah. To be a grandfather. Yeah. Yep. I've asked that I be uh, called Pappy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they'll, <laughs> that they'll comply, but... <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Or at the end of our hour, should we, anybody have something to add before we go? Not really, although I'd like to talk with you afterwards, Steve, if you don't sure. hang up. Okay. I'll call you back. I want to end this call for the recording. Okay, sounds good. I'll call you back. Well, then, goodbye, everybody. Dave, well, it's great to see you. Bye. Uh, Bye. Too much nice to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you yeah, all. Nice yeah, you. bye bye. Okay. Bye, David. Bye-bye. Bye, Alan. Hang up. Bye-bye. <laughs>